2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everybody, to the um, our, our MCAC's first town hall. We are really excited to have you here, and we look forward to your participation. Um, my name is Cheryl Cummings, and I'm the new chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Um, before we go too much further, I just want to read this to you, which is the mission of the Multicultural Committee is to promote and sustain a cohesive and inclusive environment with inclusive environment that truly values and embraces diversity, cultures, differences and perspectives within the framework of ACB. MCAC hosts programs and activities during our annual uh, conference and the purpose of these uh, conference, these, these uh, programs are, the programs are designed to combat bias, bigotry and racism while promoting intercultural dialogue, awareness, and respect for all. So that's our mission. That's who we are. And um, that's, you know, what, what we're aiming to do. Um, with our call tonight, we're so excited that Dan, uh, our president of ACB, is here. And um, in and talking about what we want to accomplish tonight, really wanted to have an open forum and invite ACB members to come and to speak directly to, uh, to me and to Dan uh, and to share your ideas about sort of what do you think ACB and MCAC can and should be doing to really promote and to help the organization become an organization that is truly reflective of diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. So Dan, thank you for being here with me tonight. Um, could you do, would you like to share some words with us before we open it to our um, ACB members? Uh, well, thank you, Cheryl, and it's an honor to be here uh, with everyone this evening. Thank you uh, for inviting me as the chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And, uh, you know, the American Council of Blind, as I hope everybody has seen demonstrated over the last uh, several years, is really, really serious about 
making sure that we embrace diversity and we practice equity and inclusion. And obviously, all of us are striving for accessibility. Uh, we live it every day uh, with inside of our organization. Uh, we have worked hard uh, to create a code of conduct uh, so that we have a mechanism if anybody feels that they have been discriminated against, bullied uh, in any way. And we have already had the opportunity to, um, you know, deal with several different claims in that area. So it's not, uh, the code of conduct is, um, it's there, it's serving a purpose, and uh, it is hopefully, and I believe, making a difference in the overall behavior of our organization. In addition to that, we have really, really worked hard to develop a set of core values that we live by. And, you know, just to repeat those, they're, um, uh, you know, integrity and honesty. If you can't be straightforward and honest with, with your members and with your organization you and your partners that you're collaborating with, uh, your word is your bond, and we really believe that inside of ACB. Uh, we also believe respect is very important, and hopefully you see that demonstrated each and every day uh, with our example, our community events, where we really strive for everybody to have a safe, welcoming, and, um, uh, you know, and, and just good, good place uh, to be. And... Uh, you know, I think what we've really seen over the last couple of years is a route, an outreach to really include everyone. Uh, we've passed uh, a resolution, uh, several resolutions, uh, one that was introduced by the Multicultural Affairs Committee in 2020, where we really work to add additional fields to our membership database, where we are beginning and have now several thousand people have who have provided us information uh, on both their gender identity as well as their race, race and ethnicity. Uh, as was pointed out in the resolution, we really, it, it's hard to understand if we're improving and developing if we don't put some good quantitative measures in uh, to, to track our progress and identify uh, where we are uh, in different demographics related to ethnicity and race, and uh, I think in gender. And we've I published last year kind of where we sat, at least within our board of directors, our board of publications, our um, uh, ACB Enterprise Services Board, as well as our committee chairs. Uh, identifying both gender and race and percentages of those uh, through through those different leadership groups. And we will continue to do that. I've asked Nancy Becker uh, to now uh, add to our, our leadership team that meets every week a quarterly set of metrics where we identify for our two new fields uh, you know, how we are doing, how many people have, have, because it's voluntary, have completed the gender identity and race ethnicity fields and really 
trying to get an understanding of how people answered and what are our percentages in the different demographic groups. Uh, we also have had a series of training exercises over the last two years uh, dealing with unconscious bias, dealing with racism, uh, dealing with um, uh, sexual uh, misconduct awareness training uh, that have been taken by our staff, our board, and some of our extended leadership. Uh, in addition, last year at the DC Leadership Conference, the leading panel, the first panel that we brought forth to our leadership conference was a panel hosted by the Multicultural Affairs Committee, where we focused uh, on mentorship and introducing the concept of mentorship uh, inside of the American Council of Blind. And I think Cheryl will maybe talk about this a late, little later, but we're hoping to enhance and build on that uh, this year uh, in the 2022 leadership conference. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we have formed a Hispanic Latino subcommittee as part of multicultural affairs, concentrating on the needs of that particular uh, ethnic group, as well as uh, looking at how do we introduce Spanish language into our organization. And the board approved uh, an initial investment of $20,000 for 2022 uh, for us to move forward working with the subcommittee uh, chaired by uh, Guillermo Robles and Gabriel Lopez Cafati uh, to really discuss where do we get kind of our biggest bang for our buck? Uh, where's low-hanging fruit? What can we do to start making a difference with our Spanish language community? So we are not here yet. We have a lot more to do. Uh, I'm fully aware that we have a long way to go to truly get to total um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But uh, at least as the president of your organization, we are aware, we are trying to be intentional, and we are uh, striving to really move the ball and the needle forward. So um, I guess that'll be it for my introductory remarks. And Cheryl, I look forward to, to hearing your thoughts as the, the chair of the MCAC. Oh, well, thank you. No. Um, yes, I totally agree that, you know, um, ACB has for years been working on these issues, and I really feel that within the last few years, there have been a lot of um, concentrated focus. Certainly, MCAC, BPI has also played a crucial role in that, and the International Committee and, you know, certainly other um, groups or other committees within ACB, I think, have all contributed. Um, I, I don't really want to talk too much because <laughs> I, I really would like us to use this time to really hear from the folks who are here. Um, and, and, I mean, we're truly interested in sort of hearing your ideas, your you know, goals, wishes, 
um, suggestions, recommendations, really for, as I said, that you think ACV and or MCAC can do to really sort of work towards, I think, an organization that is really inclusive and wherein everybody feels welcome and everyone feels that he or she or they can um, advance and can contribute to as fully as possible. Um, so I'm I agree. I, I look forward to hearing everybody's thoughts tonight. I, I, I want to have a good dialogue. I know you do too, Cheryl. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and I, I'm I'm gonna um I suppose my last thing that I really want to say is um I you know as as people sort of share ideas, I really want I, I really um would like to encourage us to think I thought about in like three levels. So thinking sort of nationally, thinking locally, meaning sort of your your ACV group, your chapter, your state affiliate, your um, or special interest affiliate, you know, the group that you're involved in. And then please, you know, think also individually, like what, what do you think you as an individual can do? So um, before we really start, I'm going to invite our host, Linda, to just remind us how we raise our hands and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Good evening, everyone. So if you want to share tonight uh when it's your turn once you're called on to mute and unmute if you're on a pc to mute and unmute it's alt a to raise your hand it's alt y if you are on a mac to mute and unmute is command shift a to raise your hand is option y if you're on the smartphone app to mute and unmute you're going to find your mute toggle button at the bottom left of your screen and to raise your hand you're going to find the more button at the bottom right of your screen double tap that and swipe to your raise hand option if you're on a landline phone with a physical keypad to mute and unmute it's star six and to raise your hand it's star nine so our first person is regina Good evening, Dan and Cheryl. Hello, Dan. Hello, uh, Cheryl. Hey, Regina. Hey, Joe. How are you guys? Doing great. Good. And I'm just going to speak for both of us this time. We have thought this through. And the first thing we, we both agree upon is that being intentional is a great first step. And so I want to say that I'm glad you mentioned that, Dan, because that's so necessary. The next thing that we were thinking is the other thing is reaching out beyond where we would traditionally think we'll find people that are blind or low vision that need our organization and what we have to offer. I think sometimes the people that we are trying to reach don't even currently identify as blind or low vision, but they're having trouble seeing, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think especially in certain communities, we can we can find them if you reach out to places that don't have the word blind in the organization. The other the last at a more personal level, 
when someone shares with us something, an experience, even if it hasn't happened to us, even if, say, I can't imagine it ever happening to me, I need to acknowledge that experience and accept it and not uh, put forth the thing of like, oh, that can't be true. Because as soon as we do that, walls go up. And I, I, that's all I wanted to say, that those are things, and some of them are things we can do right now. Wow, thank you. So the opportunity for outreach. And, and Regina and Joe, if you could share a little bit, because I know in California, you all have put a, a group together at the state level. Could, so could you share while you're on the mic a little bit of your experiences uh, at putting a, a diversity group together at the, at, at the affiliate level? It's been amazing. Um, our affiliate is pretty new. We just were approved in March of last year. So we're still getting our feet on the ground and getting moving. But we've already had a couple of programs and it's called Inclusive Diversity of California. And that was intentional to, to, to put that in our name. And it's been amazing to meet people from all different parts of California that are on the same page saying this is important to us and we want to work at improving this for everybody in our state and um, there's there's opportunities for mentorship there's opportunities for really reaching across and helping people to understand each other and for embracing allies it's very important I, someone said, know who your allies are and reach out to them. And sometimes allies can say stuff that strikes you as like, why did they say that, right? But once you start a dialogue, you understand that person. We understand we all have the same goal or the shared vision for where we want California Council of Blind and the American Council of Blind to be. So it has been amazing. And I encourage anybody, you can get in touch with me at any time to figure out how to do that in your state, because it, I think it makes a difference. And I, Joe, did you want to say anything? Or? Well, um, my thing, I think Regina said a lot of it. Oh, oh by the way, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll talk to you guys about the later, but uh, uh one of my things when we started, well, when Regina um, and Jessica Marquez started uh, the inclusive diversity, one of the things that I know I had mentioned as an African American male is one thing we got to do is partner up with, you know, like like with similar like similar um, people, uh, whether they be blind or or not, or or black or Latin or any marginalized groups I, uh, and so I think that's one of the things that we're working on too so uh, but and everyone we've gotten a little bit of backlash saying that um, you know we started this when um, we came to George Floyd uh, I disagree I know me personally I was born in as you know on the from the podcast I was born and raised in Compton and I know a lot of the uh, um, stuff like this was going on even back in the 80s. 
and nothing and 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 when you cry out, no one listened until Rodney King. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, thank you guys. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Regina. Thank you. Yes, thanks thank for what you. you're doing uh, in not only at the ACB level but at the at the state level and I it, outreach. I love that again. Mm-hmm. How do, how do we become more intentional about outreach? I, I'm I'm taking that note down for us, uh, Cheryl. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and I and I think it's so important that both Regina and Joe remind us that we need to go beyond our our like our our comfort zone and our and the sort of regular, you know, organizations that we would go to because the people we're looking for they're not part of our community. You know, they're 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 still, as Regina said, they're still sort of coming to terms with the fact that they're losing their vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that um, ACB and and our local chapters can bring to those groups is an understanding that losing your vision is not the end of the world, right? That there that life continues on, and that um, that life can actually be. Uh, pretty productive, but you know. So I I, I totally uh, agree with what Regina and Joe suggest, and as you said, it's something that we need to we need to get better at doing. All right, Belinda, do we have any other hands? We do. We have several. Um, next is Lynn. You can go ahead, Lynn. Hello, everybody. Well, this is a, a topic near and dear to my heart. Uh, my son is Jewish and Puerto Rican, so, you know, I mean, uh, I get it. And one of the things I think we can do is to educate people, in even intra-organization, uh, intra, uh, because there are a lot of people who really don't understand uh, racism. They don't understand the Holocaust. They don't understand a lot of things about a lot of these groups. And one of the things I've said is remembering Day Al Muhammad's um, dur- uh, uh, presentation during a mid-year meeting many years ago about how you know disabled people were the first people to be killed in the Holocaust, um, and I think that when we're thinking about how we how we structure um, communication, we have to do it with different groups because I know that. Um, People have feel, feel, felt disenfranchised on many points, especially um, Spanish-speaking people, especially African Americans, um, Asians. We don't hear very much about the Asian community, Pacific Islander, America, uh, um, uh, Pacific Islander, and Asian community, and um, Native and, Americans, yeah, Native yep. Americans as well. And of course, I uh, we did a lot about that in, uh, when I lived in Alaska too, and we actually had a Native. Um, group at one point uh, in Alaska. So, you know, all these groups have to be dealt with, but it's but it's not just uh, racial. It's also interreligious because, we, you know, I, I've, I've said in a couple of groups lately that I don't think we're a Judeo-Christian country. I think we're a Christian country. Forget it, you know, because really um, we're only 2% of the, of, America, of the American culture, the Jews are, and only half percent of the world's population. So we really have a lot of healing to do, a lot of healing to do, a lot of education to do, a lot of myths that we have to really jettison in terms of how we view race and um, and stuff like that. And of course, we're, we're, we're talking about that now because of the whole Whoopi Goldberg situation and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I just think that, that there is so much education and 
a lot of people under 40, and of course that's not most of us in, on this call, but people under 40 can't even name a concentration camp. They can't even name a concentration camp. So we really have a lot of education to do. And, and I think that it's not just about um, reaching out to people, it's reaching in and educating the people in this organization about groups of people. Because I know that the people on my call felt pretty disenfranchised. So, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not dissing any other group. I mean, as I said, you know, I, I've, um, a lot of the friends in my university are people of color because it's 41%, you know, people of color. So, you know, it, it's not that. It's just that we have to really grow wider. If we're going to talk about diversity, we have to talk about diversity in all sorts of dimensions. That's what I have to say. Thanks. Thanks, Lynn. Is there, Belinda, do we have another one? Uh, yes, we do. Sorry, I was muted. Keep, keep, keep them coming, Belinda. Yeah. <laughs> I was muted. Sorry about that. Uh, okay, next up we have Annie. Hello, good evening. Hi, Annie. Hi, Annie. So, um, yeah, I have quite a few things here. Well, first of all, I'm on the local level, one concern that I have is that you know, what about those that are not receptive to change? And I, mean, I know there are certain chapters like that where people just flat out don't listen to one another and aren't open to different point of views. How do we even get that conversation started with them? That's the first question I have. Um, also, and I do realize that there are a lot of initiatives that ACB is already taking, and I would love to see more of this happen. Like you, the, the cited allies that we do have, encourage them to get involved in the various affiliates and committees. You know, get them involved in Friends in Art or um, you know multicultural or whatever the case, so that they can truly learn about. Um, the what you know, our experiences you know as well as those of other ethnicity ethnicities it'd be nice if i could talk um and what if we also in addition to the work that we do at the corporate businesses reaching out to small businesses and talking to them about what they need to do to make sure that their applications and everything is accessible mm -hmm. yeah thanks that's that's yeah those are all important too yes well, thank you, Annie. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Okay, next up is Casey. Okay, this is Casey Dutmer from the Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. Um, hey, Casey. Hi. Uh, on a national level, one of the concerns I have sometimes is that sometimes the language that's used when things are presented come from one one spectrum and i've had this discussion with other disability organizations and even the churches about you know you got a variety of points of view and so you need to make your language if you can a little more uh usable by all or acceptable by all instead of working from what uh, appears to look work for one premise on a state level and even on a local level people ask the question uh, well our president of our affiliate asked the question 
why is accessibility last on the list of this call? Uh, and so the question is, are we getting, if, I don't think anybody in our affiliate disagrees with diversity or inclusion, but are we getting lost in, uh, are some of our other needs getting lost because we're trying to move forward on, uh, with this particular is, uh, issue? Um, on a local level, one of the experiences I had was that when you have people present diversity, equity, and inclusion, we are never included in the discussion. Um, I was served on a committee for the mayor of Grand Rapids when they were doing the COVID reopening after uh, last summer. They would not let the disability and uh, people on the um, panel until the the director of the disability advocate county um insisted and so they put a couple of us on this committee and they knew we were blind and they actually never they never allowed any discussion about any issues about disability until the end when i had the courage to continue to raise these issues on the church setting i serve as disability advocates for the reform in uh, Church in America. Uh, and you have the same issue when you try to mix the racial discussion and the, uh, with the diversity, with the disability. The one person who's involved with, was in racial relations said, when we bring the issue of disabilities up, we get pushback. So the question is, how do we first, you know, make sure that in this effort, that we reach out to these uh, these organizations that we're trying to support by promoting these uh, issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But how do we make sure that our needs are out there as well? In uh, because so often we're left out, and I think this is one of the issues that that we don't talk about too much uh, when these consultants um, present this stuff. We're left out. So if we really want the support of our constituents, I think we need to figure out how do we not only service these other uh, ethnic groups and, and the racial needs that, that, that need to be taught people and educated, but how do we make sure that they know that we're, we are a part of the process that they're talking about? Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I don't... I, I just want to say, I mean, I think you you raise a completely valid question, and I think the A, even though it's it's the last thing that's part of that title, I mean, it's there because of advocates, people with disabilities, saying exactly what you what you raise. People have stepped forward and are and they're insisting that. When you talk, because, you know, we, we now talk about terms around like intersectionality and people say, um, you know, when, when you use that word, it certainly has an aspect talking about race and gender, but it also has to have an aspect talking about disability. And you're right. There are lots of places where, you know, they they focus on those first three letters. They don't think about us. And that's why it's important that we as ACB, MCAC, and within our local communities, we raise that A and we insist on the A 
and we insist on being in the places that um, are having those discussions because we are part of the community, right? We are the D, the E, and the I too. Um, so yeah, thank and you I, so and much. I do, and I do raise those issues, but I also want to point out another possible thing that we might consider inclusion. Inclusion also should be that that we can make people feel comfortable if they don't have a point of view that's the same as someone else on one side on the other side. And I think sometimes I've seen on the leadership list, I've seen on the Facebook post where some pretty harsh responses are on one side or the other. And we need to figure out how do we how do we encourage people to speak to everyone when they have a, a point of view. Uh, so that no one's judging somebody about being responsible or irresponsible or a bigot or this or that, because we all are going to fall short. We all have to work at it. So uh, this is a uh, thing that this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. That we're, how do we how do we get to that point? How do we encourage constructive discussions, discussion, constructive conversation uh, to raise a point of view? Because to me. Diversity, this is my definition of diversity. It's an opportunity to rejoice that, we, that we're that we here to be able to uh, have different points of view. We should rejoice in the freedom that we have to, to even have these discussions. And from those discussions, we may be able to learn from one another and maybe have a different view if we allow ourselves to do that. That's how I look at diversity from a, that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And and I think Casey um, that we we in the in in the disability community worked really hard as this kind of evolved and you know things get going and things get named and DEI became very popular here over the last few years you know as the as kind of the phrase and the disability community worked very hard to have the A added. Uh, so that it w- was very, very apparent that disability is part of diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, you know, under the, the, the name of accessibility. And it, it truly does matter, you know, now when you reach out to federal agencies, they have the, do- the office of, of DEIA, you know, and that A wasn't there a year ago. And so, like you're finding in your local municipality, you know, I think it's important to really emphasize the A and the intersectionality that there's not, it's not one thing. What we're finding is many of us fall into multiple categories, right? And that's the tapestry, that's the diversity. And I really like what you say that it's really hearing everybody's point of view and I know it's hard to say it shouldn't be political. This should just be, you know, everyone's civil rights. And so, um, you know, thank you for your efforts. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to help, you know, please let us know. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling or being in. Yeah. Thanks for lending your voice. All right. Next up is Melody. Hello. 
As someone with multiple disabilities and an open member of BPI, I feel as if, and it's completely unintentional, that we are often kept artificially safe and we are handled with care in our daily lives. And this can often, often happen to us within ACB. And I wonder if we could possibly have some kind of mentorship program where we could pair up with someone who is having to live and suffer in daily silence. And I mean, it's if we speak on a call about a particular experience that may be tough and uncomfortable for someone who is hosting or facilitating the call, or they may be afraid of backlash and flack and things, there may be someone else who hears this and we're stopped and because for fear of triggering someone or it may be too painful and they have may, may have had to live like this or know someone who has who's had to work through this system where the visual impairment factors in or where they may not have always been handled constructively or appropriately. I'm forgive my disorganization. So I wonder if, you know, if, if it would be okay if someone does speak up and someone else is afraid to ask for contact info, you know, how can that be handled and how can it be okay? This box divide and this categorical, you know, intersectionality is becoming flat out exhausting. And when someone spoke up on the convention about we do not live in boxes and we are not our conditions, we're not our sexual orientation, I love it. And I, I thank anyone who agrees with that. Well, thank you, Millie. And I was trying to, uh, so you're, to, to kind of uh, crystallize to the point, is your, was your concern lack of being able to communicate with others where, where were you where were you where are you yeah where i mean on a call the... you know when certain conditions and if we're afraid to speak up about them they can kind of you don't know how you're going to be and where you're going to be cognitively or processing issues at any given moment mm -hmm. so it's if someone is on a call and with topic driven calls and time constraints yeah you have to be careful but when there's someone else who may need a particular experience that someone is sharing, you know, and that person can't speak up and, you know, the code of conduct, I'll obsessively read it, you know, and I also, I'm afraid to facilitate certain calls and I've had ideas because I don't know if I'll receive personal flack for them, you know, and it's, I, I want to be able to help others come through this and I've had to live like this for decades. So communication. Yeah. And I also other organizations can ACB reach out to, or is it okay for affiliates and chapters and individual members to reach out to, you know, the American Heart or Lung Association, Carpal Tunnel Arthritis Foundations, mental health organizations, because there are people who are left with no resources and they're asking. And it kind of, I've had to think quickly to give someone who's visually impaired in some of these psychiatric facilities resources when I've been stripped of my technology because they're in ridiculous situations as am I. And I want to give back and make it not so hard for people who have to walk this path because I didn't have anyone to help me. So, you know, I, I'm all over the place. Forgive me. It's just I to have to experience this and not be able to come forth. And when people are afraid of hearing a word like schizophrenia or like bipolar, like dissociation, OCD, PTSD, things like that, it's it's tough because we ask for these conditions as much as we ask for a visual impairment and would not change them. So I just, I would love to be able to be who I am. And if there are others out there who would love to who are not speaking up and are afraid, 
you know, and be able to check in on people because the isolation is ridiculous. And do not be afraid to facilitate calls or be a little bit more open on at least the social and peer support calls where you can be more relaxed. I would say, um, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll move on and hear from others here in a, in a second. But Millie, please uh, reach out. There's a, there's a group of members inside of ACB. I uh, they've uh, they've kind of. Um, coalesced uh, and even brought a resolution out this year, you know, related to uh, mental health and trying to, you know, pull forward uh, perhaps an ACB committee to kind of focus on that. Uh, and we have a uh, um, Anthony Corona, who's who's uh, broadcasting this call, is is one of the the key contributors that is working to kind of pull that group together and to kind of work at soliciting uh, the board to, and myself as the president, uh, to consider, you know, forming a committee that could concentrate on on mental health. Uh, so please, uh, you know, reach out to uh, to those folks and uh, you know, make your make your voice heard. And I think we're we are headed in that direction, and we're we're very aware of the need for uh, peer support uh, in our community when it comes to mental health. What we have to do is kind of structure it the right way so we don't become, you know, perceived as professional counselors or, um, you know, things that we're not licensed to do. So we have to structure it the right way uh, so that we, you know, give everybody a chance to to help each other, but we don't uh, go to the point that we're kind of misrepresenting uh, our capabilities. So it's it's a fine line, as as I'm sure you're aware. But I I know there really is a strong interest for us to move forward and really include something that supports uh, mental health inside of our organization. So thank you for your thoughts. Okay, up next is Sebastian. Sebastian. Sebastian, you can unmute. Okay, um, so we can go go to the next person and give them a chance to up uh, to unmute. Now let's go to Pam. Or Pamela. Sebastian or Pamela? This is Pam. I am Hi, Pam. unmuted. Hi, how are you? We Hi, hear you. Yep. Oh, okay. I'm glad you guys can hear me. Thank you. Um, I just want to say a couple of things. One, um, I am vice president of IDC in California. So, um, uh, it was it was a lot of hard work to get the the affiliate up and running and as at the time i actually served on the board of directors for ccb so it was um also interesting yeah. <laughs> serving on the board and working on this also yeah. um, i believe in what the organization both mcac i've served on mcac since 2000 and i forget six or seven and um, i do believe in what mcac stands for in the mission statement I do believe that mental, for me, the most important thing for me as a, almost a 20-year member of ACB and CCB is mentorship. 
the hardest thing for me as when I came into ACB and TCB being an African-American black woman was finding other women to show me the ropes of the organization. Um, even though we have a women's circle and stuff like that, I didn't feel welcomed into ACB or CCB. And there are times that even after almost 20 years, I still feel that way. Um, and I feel that now, <clears throat> do I let it bother me? No, I just keep taking one step at a time and doing what I need to do to help build both MCAC and CCB and ACB, doing the work to make sure that the organ, both the organization is um, grows and it's um, a more becomes a more diverse organization. I like to see more diversity where the where the um, board and and the um, publications committee is concerned. I was so happy to see Cheryl and Cache get on to the publications committee. Um, uh, it, it just to me, excuse me, um, as as the vice president of IDC, it's important to me to be more. Excuse me, Joe. That California becomes more California and ACB becomes more diverse in its acceptance of people of people who are different. Um, there were times that I've been called names out of my name, and people can call me Pam or Pamela, but being called out of my name at conventions was disrespectful. And and you know it's it's um. I would just like to see more uh, more mentoring, and I would be willing to help work, and I don't often volunteer to help work where it comes to to help building a mentoring program to bring in not just young people, because everybody, I am, and, and I'm going to be very honest, I am so damn tired. Did I cuss? I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> tired of <laughs> <laughs> that we need more blind people, young blind people. It's not just young blind people who are losing their sight. There are middle-aged people who are losing their sight who can bring in their life experiences into ACB or CCB and the other affiliates in, around the country. And we need to be trying to find them also to work and help ACB and, 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 and all our state affiliates grow. Um, I get so, Ken and I, my deceased husband used to argue about that all the time because I used to tell him I'm just so tired of people saying, oh, young people, young people, young people. Well, I was 42 when I went blind. I wasn't 14. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's important that we bring more people in the middle. That's my favorite phrase. Because they have life experiences, too. They've held jobs. They've worked. Um and it's, I just feel it's time to bring more people, how do I say it, into the organizations. Well, Find ways to bring them in. Thank you, Pam. And, and, and as, I, uh, as I get older, uh, I, I now consider uh, 50 and 55-year-olds young people. <laughs> we're, we're gonna hold you to that. <laughs> my my definition is changing every day. <laughs> yeah, when I hit um, when I hit sixty, I was like, okay, now can we stop saying I'm young? I'm 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 still young. I'm sixty three, and I don't want to be considered a senior citizen yet. Please, 
<laughs> no. So I, I just want to see more people brought in that have more life experiences that can help with. We may not want to get up and march down the street because my legs couldn't take that. Right. But we could we could sit in a chair and, and call and make calls and help that way also too. Sure. Well, thank thank you, Pam, and thanks for all that you do and and have done uh, for so many years. And and I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Peggy Garrett, who was the chair of our Multicultural Affairs Committee for the last fourteen years. Uh, before Cheryl and did an absolutely amazing job and is still very, very involved. But, you know, we we continue to build on the foundations and the shoulders of others who have come before us. And I think anytime we look at diversity, equity, inclusion and, and accessibility, it's, you know, as I hear the stories and the testimonies and it, it truly is an evolution and it it's always building and we always have to remember all of those that, you know, laid the groundwork to get us to where we are today, even though we have a long way to go. So um, I know she's still there. She hasn't gone anywhere, but I did want to at least give a shout out to Peggy Garrett for all her years of service. Totally agree. Yes. I mean, because without Peggy, I mean, um, these issues that we're working on, you know, let's be honest, they're not always, they're not easy, we know that, but they're not always issues that people um, in power really want to hear about. And so, um, you know, I, I really appreciate that Peggy, whether, um, you know, stuck with it and was not deterred by acceptance or no acceptance, she was committed to making sure that um, we work on those issues we talked about. She was really committed to making sure that the programs we offered, you know, dealt um, challenges on, around issues and bias and bigotry and, and racism. So, you know, as, as you said, Dan, uh, just a, a profound thank you to Peggy for what she, she did. Yeah, very, uh, always with a firmness, but with a real Gentile, just, just, she is a very pleasant and, and wonderful human being. <laughs> yep. Who do we have okay, next? Okay, next up is Sebastian. Are you able to unmute now? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes we can. We, we gotcha. All right, how's everybody doing? I'm sorry, I had a VIP moment before. It's okay. We've gotcha. We can hear All you. Right. All right, so... My concern is, like, I'm glad to hear everybody speaking and talking about, like, um, inclusion and everything of that nature. But my main motivation for uh, calling in this evening is I saw the email and I was wondering why I was going to call. And I watched a YouTube video earlier um, from Clear Value Tax. And he was speaking about the fact of the IRS implementing facial recognition to access old tax records and things of that nature. So my concern is as a blind individual, I usually have a third party do my taxes and this individual's also out of state. And normally when I need to access old tax records, I have this person do it if I can't find it on my own. So in order for me to access old tax records now, according to the new system that they're about to implement by um, 
a third party called ID me means I would either have to be with that individual or have the individual come to me, which is not feasible because once again, they're out of state. So I'm concerned about the accessibility for blind and visually impaired people to be able to be able to access their governmental information. And also if this passes, it means that other entities might follow suit because it's already being done with unemployment. They're already a member of ID me, but they haven't implemented to the facial recognition. So that's one topic that I wanted to speak about. Okay. Well, I, I, I have to admit, and I'll be the first one to say, I, 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 I'm not, I have not been aware of the issue you just brought up, you know, uh, truthfully, but, but please um, reach out to advocacy at acb.org. And if you feel like you, you were in any way being discriminated against, you know, share that information. It'll go to uh, Clark Rockville, who is our uh, advocacy and governmental affairs director and to Swatha Nanda Kumar, who is our uh, advocacy specialist, and they can you know follow up with you because I, I I hear what you're saying, and I think the more technology moves, every time technology makes an advancement, if we're not careful, the accessibility part always gets left behind, right? Mm-hmm. And we're and we're left uh, to advocate. So the more we can have that conversation on the front end always the better better solution we end up at the end so okay and i have one more question this is just a random question um i hear that a lot of people are calling from california Mm -hmm. and i have a friend that's i'm i'm based in new jersey i live in new jersey but i have a friend that's in california in silicon valley and he said that there's a shortage of like quality control testers, QR testers for like the iPhone and for Android to make them more accessible for blind individuals and that blind people should reach out for these jobs. So how can we like try to find that information to see if it's true and then spread that information to the community of the blind and visually impaired? Um, Well, I you know employment is always is always tricky uh acb does have an employment committee so there's an opportunity to reach out and dialogue uh with the employment committee and more and more um you know opportunities are coming up every day and what has really been revolutionary is the fact that i think a lot of this came about due to covid is because there's always silver linings or opportunities out of out of crises is our society has quickly learned that you do not have to be resident in a in a office in a job to to lead a productive and do a productive job and so we're seeing more and more and more jobs that go remote uh where you know, uh, and, and with and with our technology, a lot of times it can make a difference uh, to be able to now do a quality job from a remote vantage point. So I would say, 
you know, reach out uh, and, you know, try to follow up. We also have an information access committee that works on different accessibility issues with a lot of our partners uh, in Silicon Valley, whether it be Apple or Google, Microsoft up in Seattle, uh, you know, and Amazon and others. So, you know, that's a couple places where you could reach out. And again, um, you know, let everybody know that you're interested. Uh, the employment committee has even talked about perhaps, you know, putting a job fair to get together here over the next uh, year, uh, maybe even a little something at the convention. So, so stay tuned there. But thanks for calling in. All right, next up is Lisa. Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Oh, hey, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say this is a very uh, good call. It's very interesting. Pam, if you want to mentor somebody to help me learn the ropes, reach out because I need it. I'm new to this. I'm new to MCA. I, when I went blind three years ago, I didn't know what to do. I mean, you know, you go to doctors and they tell you, oh, you can do this, you can do this. You, but there were no organizations locally here in Detroit that I found. So I think it's very important that we get the <clears throat> word out about ACB and about uh, different agencies that reach out and, and help people because I really felt lost, but when I did join ACB, I can say I did feel welcomed. I felt like I belonged. I felt like I found my people, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I really didn't know what I was gonna do, you know, because I, I, you know, losing your sight at 54 years old, you know what I'm saying? You know, I went along with life. I, you know, I was in the UAW. You know, I did things, you know, so I want to get back to that type of thing. So that's why I'm reaching out to you, Pam, because I hit the floor with UAW, but I need to know the ropes, you know, better so that I can maneuver. Because like I like I said, even though I felt welcome, I felt like there were no um, African-American women, you know, no support groups or anything that I could go to, that I could talk to, you know, and I think that that is something that is very important. And I think um, one of my classmates' sons, he was a young man, he was going blind and he didn't know what to do, you know. So mm -hmm. I think that we really need to get the word out more and um, maybe look for people, like you say, because they're not looking for this type of thing. You don't know unless you walk in these shoes. So thank you for this and uh, have a good evening. Thank you very much, Lisa. Right, next up we have Destiny. Hey everyone. Hi Destiny. All right, so um, there's a few things I wanted to bring up. Um, on a, this could be used as state, local, or um, global, or U.S. based. Um, definitely, 
reach out to other organizations that do talk about like black disability or different there are different cultural organizations that are like take disability as a whole and a certain ethnicity or gender identity and they do talk about it and they um a lot of them do try pretty well to put in captions and you know um another thing is i know a lot of people don't quite care for the term intersectionality but that was the term i first found out about and when i before i got involved with acb um and i was like no one's talking about these other things you know like i have multiple intersections i might not be black or or a different ethnicity i'm white but i deal i mean i'm part of the lgbt community which thankfully bpi and you know does stuff with that i'm part of that as well as uh ACB of Maryland, the Baltimore chapter, but, um, I, but like mental health, uh, LGBT status, you know, um, there's other people out there who are just a bit disabled. I do other types of activism as well. So I feel like intersectionality for some people would be a good like word to bring in. So that way people who maybe are familiar with that term when it comes to race could learn more about disability or even people who are familiar with disability other disabilities and and using that can term can connect with each other and foster more of an inclusive diverse things so that way they know hey i have a blind person who wants to talk about particularly blind stuff with these intersectionalities i can give people ACB, you know, that kind of thing. Reaching out to certain social media accounts, different organizations. Everyone in their area has their places or their people that they might want to suggest. But it's just something I've been thinking about. In general, um, I have other things that aren't always considered and I'd like to find other people who share my values who are also blind, but that's harder to do um, in general. But yeah, that's a basic outline without going too specific down into all the things that I am passionate about. So those are the things that I think would be good to look at. Thank, thank you. All right, next up is Jamaica. Yes, this is uh, Jamaica and I have can you all hear me? Yes, yes, we yes, can. yes. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. My jaws is being, you know, jaws is being weird. But here's my thoughts on on what I would like to see in the in somehow in the in the in the midst of all this is I would like to see people that that do not have email that do that do have a telephone be able to get the get information about about the um about the different the different um the different uh the different committees that are going on in acb because um i had an experience Last year, with a with a member that wanted to 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 try to get a a um, resolution put together 
for last year's convention. And I, I thought I thought I could help her with that, but I I also have some I have some I have I have some other disabilities on top of being visually impaired, and so I, me and her did not be me and her were not able to get together to put the put the resolution together, and she was this lady quite got. Like got angry with me for trying for trying to help, but at the same time, you know, I was in the process of moving at the time, and so I just feel like there needs to be some some communications with the people that don't have email that that that, that they have a way of communicating with with the resolutions committee or something where they can have a have a communications about how to put together their resolutions. All right, well, thank you, Jamaica, for bringing that to our attention. I'll I'll reach out to Gabe Griffith, who is our resolutions committee chair and um, see if he has some thoughts there. I mean, obviously, um, yeah, it's it's a little difficult, right? Because you you have to get the the word out. Although I do believe, typically, what the resolutions committee has done here over the last year or two is they have a series of community event calls uh, that talk about different uh, our, our different resolutions, and those are available through our community events, uh, and I believe are you know, uh, put out on our, our phone list where, where people, uh, could call in and hear the schedule for the day and then call into the resolutions committee. So that, that is at least one opportunity there. Uh, but maybe there's some other things we could do to make it easier to, uh, you know, access folks from the resolutions committee. I know we do post, uh, the committee chairs, their, their email addresses and, not sure if we post their phone numbers or not. I should know that. <laughs> Cheryl or any other committee chairs out there, I'm not sure on ACV.org if we post just emails or emails and phone numbers. Um, email and phone numbers. Email and phone number, I thought. So it's both there. So that might be something we could do where that could be something off our phone tree where we could list our committee chairs with their email addresses and their phone numbers so people who don't have email could contact them. So we'll... We'll take that under advisement, I think, um, yeah. as a note. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have a phone number starting with 608, ending in 219. You can unmute. Hi, this is Peter Heidi in Wisconsin. I... Um, um, as I've been thinking about MCAC, that um, one of the books I recently read was a book called How to Fight Racism by Jamar Tisby. Um, he bases his stuff on um, three areas of awareness, relationship, and commitment. And um, 
I, I think that the MCAC has done a great job of um, raising awareness and starting to build relationships, but that um, the the commitment area of not just organization of uh, of of, of uh, uh, diversity. Um, that that we need to have more action planned uh, instead of just conversation. Um, I raise this book up as um, a possibility because it comes with a um, uh, almost a workbook, uh, but projects do at the end of every chapter to help us understand um, to raise that the awareness and to uh, help build relationships and then. Uh, get to a place of being able to do commitments, and I think that um, he wrote it. He wrote the book specifically for um, anti-racism with the Afro-American context, um, but that it would work with any um, any group that we would like to focus on, and um, and it talks about. Uh, you know, step-by-step self-awareness of where our own biases are in the process. And I know that as I am a white male and uh, and experience all kinds of privileges that in the process of uh, doing this awareness and initial relationship kind of work, um, it has been uh, profoundly impactful on my life. Mm. Thank you. Can you say the title and the author again? How to Fight Racism mm-hmm. by Jamar, J-A-M-A-R, Tisby, T-I-S-B-Y. Okay. Um, his books are available on Audible, uh, not yet on NLS. All right. Well, thank you. We, we will certainly take a look. But I really like the premise that you know, you start with awareness, then you mm-hmm. then you build relationships to say, you know, we, you know, that, you know, when you, when somebody's not a general name or, in, but they become a, a person and you actually develop a relationship with them, you know, your, mm-hmm. your perceptions change so much. But then as an organization, how do you turn that into to action, right? To commitment. To, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it's a very, it's a simple premise for people to understand. It's, a, it's an interesting way to, to categorize it. Yeah. yeah. I, I found his work very helpful. Yeah, thank you, Peter. And thank you for becoming a member of our Constitution and Bylaws Committee. Very welcome. I'm not <laughs> sure how much good I'm going to be, but I will try. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, and as Belinda asks, I, I have to also thank Belinda for becoming a new member of the Multicultural Affairs Committee as she's, <laughs> as she's asking for our next uh, guest. Yes. Uh, so before I move to the next person, I just want to uh, say we have about 15 minutes left and we've got about seven raised hands. Ooh, so we need to go um, faster. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> I think that's what she's telling us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, be, before we go, can I just take two minutes? I just want to say something. Um, I just want to give people an update that uh, during Black History Month, MCAC is offering some uh, additional activities or programs 
one coming up next Thursday at 10 o'clock. We're doing this together with IDC. Um, this one we're looking at uh, the role of African Americans and their contributions to ACB, sort of past, present, and future. So I hope folks will um, join us um, next Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern for that discussion. Um, and then we're, I don't know when this will happen, but I know that we've, um, co we're co-sponsoring uh, sort of a, a, a session um, with Sandra Sermons in the, the national chapter of, um, let's see, national Ca capital chapter of ACB of Maryland, and that we will be do, uh, doing some um, trivia around black history. And um, uh, we have an upcoming program that we are doing with Lua. So we've got a bunch of activities happening through February and I hope everybody will come back and join us. All right, that's it. Now, <laughs> let's see if we can get everybody. <laughs> okay. Speed, Next up speed, we have speed. Mary. It's about speed, that's right. Okay, let's do it. Hi, Mary. Hello, thanks, I'll try to make this quick. So thank you for having this discussion tonight. Um, and it's been really great to hear everyone's thoughts and, and contributions. Regina, I think it was Regina who earlier said something which got me thinking about how, um, you know, as, as someone who's white, you know, who went through life as a blind person, and certainly knew what it was like to feel that discrimination as we all have, on this call and this organization, but never experiencing, you know, discrimination based on color, which I, of course I didn't know I wasn't experiencing. Um, so once again, that sort of that privilege that, you know, I had that I didn't know. And so it's really important for us to understand that for those who haven't had that um, privilege, who have had that you know, that cumulative experience of discrimination, um, the impact that it has, because it certainly has an impact on someone who's white who hasn't had that experience. So I, I can't help but think that just what we need is just more discussion like this and more opportunity for people to be able to hear from each other and talk with each other about what those experiences have meant in their lives. So we as you know, white folks um, can truly get a better understanding of what, um, you know, that, that cumulative marginalization has meant in someone's life and how that, you know, is with them along with their disability, along with being blind. I mean, I certainly want to know more about it. And when Regina said earlier, I think it was Regina who said that just because someone can't believe that someone has had that experience doesn't mean they haven't had it. Um, and so we just need to get to a point where we we're more understanding and open to hearing about people's experiences and knowing how that all impacts people and trying to be more understanding. And that's why we're trying to work towards diversity here in leadership, in, in the, the office. It's, it's really important. So um, anyway, those are, those are my thoughts and um, thank you.
Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Mary. All right, next up is Stephanie. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Cheryl, Dan, thank you guys for facilitating uh, this call tonight. Um, I know it's a long day for me, so it's an even longer day for you because you're three hours ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I am out here in our lovely state of California. ACB Capital Chapter is my home chapter, member of CCB, and of course, ACB Capital Chapter. And I'll be brief. Um, what I'd like to see is uh, more opportunities for us to have a facilitated dialogue with AC members, ACB members who may have opposing views, especially on race. And I say that because I, I think my, well, I'll say it like this. In my experience, I hear people wondering aloud, well, what's the problem? We're America, this is 2022 or whatever, pick your year, and aren't things better, et cetera, et cetera. And you guys fill in the blank. And some people really don't understand, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but they don't understand the other side of this divide or this aisle or whatever you want to call it. So if there's any way that MCAC... Um, could work however you guys work these things out um, could work to create some sort of call or listening session or whatever but creating a safe space that promotes hearing people who have opposing views because first of all we we get that we're not always going to agree. We all understand that, I, or most of us understand that. But I think what might be missing in this um, time where nerves are frayed and there's very um, contentious divides, et cetera, we might be missing that there are some places where we do agree we do have similar concerns, especially uh, as blind or low vision individuals trying to navigate our world with our visual impairments. And so I think we have to peel back that onion layer of why we feel the way we do about these issues and then move toward places where we do have agreement. And so thank you for your um, uh, time and thank you for the opportunity to share my thoughts. Thanks. Thanks, Stephanie. All right, next is Vita. Hello, everyone. My name is Vita Zambali. I'm also a member of that wonderful Inclusive Diversity of California and on the board. Um, I want to um, speak from a place of individuals. Uh, I've heard all these wonderful things that um, we can all do as nationally, locally, uh, but I want to speak from an individual point of view. One of the best things I believe I can do as an individual is show up. 
show up at a meeting, be a part of a meeting, listen, learn, open my mind to what is being said. And not go to a meeting with preconceived notions. Um, so when MCAC has these wonderful uh, um, programs, there should be thousands of people there, not 100, right? That's a place for us to learn. It's a place for us to grow. So I, I work full time. I'm a member of like six affiliates. So even if I can only give one hour a month, I show up. And I encourage you to show up. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Vida. Sorry, next up is Swata. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Hello, Swata. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Hi, Dan. Um, and Cheryl. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so I just like want to echo what um, Lynn and others were saying about having those kind of conversations and having those like, um, kind of yeah, being able to grow. Um, I do wonder how much just discomfort, 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 discomfort plays into this. Like, how much? Like, just from my experience alone. Like, how people figure about me afraid, me afraid to say, to say my name. Like, what kind of? How much does fear play into play into like that um, hesitancy of being more diverse? Like, how much do we uh, want? How much? Remembers fear, how much I'm comfortable with expressing their um, their thoughts and views, if they might, if they might, or ask questions too, like how much do we, you know, how much discomfort is there in that, in that sense? So, thank you. I know we don't have much time, but Swatha, do you think there's, is there a fear from folks of saying the saying the thing the wrong thing or saying it in the wrong way that then you get pounced on do you think that's that's out there it it, it does seem like it's so hard to have the conversations yeah i do think that is there um i do think that we also like kind of have a culture where if you like don't say something right you're automatically canceled canceled so i think it's like um we need to have like a kind of a talk or like um a, Meeting, being comfortable, being comfortable, talking about, talking about, uncomfortable. So, yeah, I know. As a, just, you know, we've all probably experienced this as blind and low vision folks. But people will come up with me, and when I'm in an Uber, they they want to ask a question, right? You know, you know your condition, your, you know, and I say, don't worry, you can't offend me. I'm blind. You know, just. <laughs> Whatever you, it's okay. Just ask right. me whatever you want to ask me, and it's somehow by disarming them that they're afraid that they're going to. Then all of a sudden, the, the questions just start flowing, and but there is something there at somehow disarming people where they're they're not they they want to have a conversation, but they're afraid 
that they're going to say the wrong thing and get 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 in trouble for it. You know, I don't. But anyway, I know we have to move on, but I I, I get your point. How and and uh, Stephanie said this. How do we how do we have the conversation without it? without it turning into a gotcha moment, I think is so important. And No, I, I think you're right. And it's something we need to, because not only do you not want to turn it into a gotcha moment, but we don't want it to turn into like, uh, you know, a chance to be as rude and crude. Exactly. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. That's the other side. Of it. yeah. <laughs> it's, it is. Oh, yeah. so. Mm. If this is it was easy, we would have probably solved it uh, many years ago. Yes, yeah. But um, thank you, Swatha, Belinda. And so we are at uh, ten twenty-eight. Uh, we have three raised hands. So do you want us to stop here, or can well, we do we have another and, program? Can we get yeah, the you last did start three a little bit late, be okay? Belinda? So maybe they okay. can go. Yeah, around. we can. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So. Um, next up is Peggy. Hey, Dan, and hey, Cheryl. Well, this hey, Peggy. Has, this Peggy. has been a really good program. I think this is something that we should get more of. Um, and as has been said, hopefully we'll get more folks involved. But guys, know that just because I'm not there, I'm still with you. I'm still supporting MCAC. I'm following everything that you do. And as I told you, Cheryl, anytime I can be of any assistance, then I'm here to help. Uh, but I think so going, things are going real well. I have several comments, but I'm going to make one quick one. And that is on the comment that was made about uh, awareness, relationships, and uh I have just noticed that happening with the Spanish-speaking committee. Uh, there was an awareness. There is a relationship with the committee. And there is a commitment by the board by putting money in the budget and also agreeing to hire a person to, who speaks Spanish in the office. So I think that is actually happening. I think it's happening in other areas of ACBT. I'm sorry, ACB, I got ACBT on the brain, but ACB. And so I just want to say I'm here. If you need me, call me, but I am still supported. Just because I'm not on the committee doesn't mean that I've gone anywhere. So thank you guys for tonight. Thank you so much. Thank Peggy. you, Peggy. Yes. And next up, we have Cache. One, one of our board of publications directors. Hello, Cache. Good evening. Good evening. Great conversation. And I think my comments probably are, um, have already been echoed, but I do want to say that, um, however, I can applaud the, uh, the efforts of the attention going for awareness and organization, but I would love to see more in the direction of implementation of actions that are going to yield positive progression when it comes to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and um, making uh, making it more readily available for uh, not just mentoring but leadership and employment within this organization. So those are some things that I I think that we can definitely um, strive for 
um, I would love to just see more conversations had to um, implementing positive steps where we move from just talking about it to actually doing something that's tangible. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Cache. And next up is Donna, Donna Pomerantz. Hi there. Um, I came into this call late. Um, I was on ACB Lions earlier. So, uh, but since I've been here, I've really um, been learning from what I've been hearing. And um, Peggy said a good amount of what I was going to share. So I think what what I would like to share from a personal place. Um, I love hearing, you know, that we're all wishing to grow and we continue to grow. And part of that growing, I think, is at least for me to um, hear and share time building those relationships with folks and realizing that we all come from different places. And, um, you know, uh, Dan and Swatha, you know, talked about, you know, the gotcha moment and people being afraid. And I think that as we come together, as we continue to come together, um, you know, we all get caught up in words and vocabulary. Um, and I think because some of us come from different generations, we use different terminology. And instead of sharing, you know, to, to kind of piggyback a little on what Swatha shared, instead of saying, you know, this is, this is what you should say, you know, and I've been there. I know what I, how I identify and the language that I use as, as a Latina who is older than some of our younger ones, but not as old as an abuela or, you know, an older aunt in the family. Um, but we do all use different words. And I think, uh, as Cache said, the actions of coming together and hearing each other um, and just coming together, even if we use different words, different language, but we're saying the same thing. Absolutely, I agree. No rudeness, none of that, um, you know, belittling and such, but you know, coming together and realizing that we're all wearing different shoes because we come in different places, but we do have things in common. And let's continue to work to find those things and continue to come together. And again, thank you for having this call. Thank you, Donna. Thanks, Donna. All right, we have one last hand, uh, Annie. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay, I realize that I have already spoken, but on the subject of accessibility, well, a lot of things have come up, and you know, I'm sure that we'll have continual discussions about this, but on the subject of accessibility, we need to somehow enlighten 
um, not just tech support people, but anyone who is responsible for making things accessible um, to somehow get the question out of their heads that, or, or to enlighten them that we don't, not only do we not have someone looking over our shoulders, but we are independent adults. And, you know, would you ask a sighted person, would you ask an able-bodied person that same question if someone was looking over their heads? Because when it goes to back to the intention versus impact, you know, they, it may seem like an innocent enough question, but, um, when they, when, when we're asked that it suggests that I don't want to do my job. So, you know, have somebody else do it. And that's the message that at least that I get when, when asked that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, thank you. Thank I mean, you. you're, you're right. That's something that, you know, I've encountered with tech people and doctors and nurses. <laughs> so it's, yeah, and it's an, it's an ongoing challenge that we have to, we have to like, we have to work on. And I don't think we should ever have to qualify that by saying, you know, I, I'm asking for your assistance because we should not have to explain, well, I, I don't have anybody with me, so do your blanking job. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what do we do to, to combat that? It's, it's, it's a, I think it's a, it's, it sounds like a small question, but it's a big question that I think, you know, lots of people have been thinking about and and it's all wrapped up with a lot of the things we talked about here around outreach and building awareness and building connections um, that, that, you know, ACB is involved in and our local chapters are involved in. And then we as individuals are involved in just as we, move through our communities and our daily lives. So thanks. Yes. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, well, thank you, Cheryl, you know, and thanks to everybody that, that participated this evening and listened on uh, ACB Media 5. Uh, I know this will eventually get turned into a podcast and will be available out there through our Pinecast uh, suite for people to to listen to later, uh, and hopefully this will this will you know kind of our our first town hall here of the year, but definitely not our last. And so, um, and glad to be here. I really I learned a lot, and I, I continue to you know to, to strive to to grow. Uh, so, thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing, and truly, truly, thank you to everyone. Um, you know, I can say we can't get everything done all at once, but everything you've all shared is so important, and it's information that I promise you that we're going to pay close attention to, and it will incorporate into the work that we're doing. So thank you. Thank you very much. And as Dan said, you know, um, MCAC, we are talking about uh, holding multiple sort of open uh, discussions where we'll invite people in. I don't know when the next one will be, but there will be a next one. I can promise you that. So thank you everyone for joining us this evening.